Hi everyone, this is Pete Perusik. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway and set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. After the discussion is over, I encourage you to stick around to hear a breakdown from a physical therapist's perspective on how this weathering athlete is able to keep moving forward. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave me a comment, and share with your friends. Today I am honored to be joined by marathoner and ultra runner Gene Dykes for mile number 18. Gene has such an impressive resume. I encourage you to check out his website www.ultrageezer.com. With the assist of his daughter, he has set up a great timeline of the amazing things he has been doing. What is hard for me to believe is that he never thought he was any good at running and to hear that his racing career did not really start until age 56. To the outside observer, one may take a look at all his accomplishments and think he is fortunate to have great genetics. Surprisingly, he feels all those years of just running and not racing has allowed him to stay fresh and healthy. You will soon find out he has put in the extensive work that is necessary to attain the accolades that he has so rightfully deserved. His just run philosophy provides a foundation and his willingness to never miss or cut back on a workout his coach prescribes has helped him to attain some pretty remarkable feats as he has aged. I can promise you that if I look at training and racing with the same have fun viewpoint, who knows what I can accomplish. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. I'm one, I'm thankful that you're willing to spend some time with me, Gene. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this Weathered Athlete podcast, basically I started it for a couple different reasons. One, just to honor this, the incredible things that that people are doing, um, especially what you're doing. And, you know, as a 51-year-old uh, mar- marathon runner and triathlete myself, I want to be able to do what you're doing um, into my 70s and 80s. Maybe not break sub-three-hour marathon. I'm still trying to get under four hours. But if you can help me get that direction, uh, I'll take every bit of advice that you have to get me there. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll gab about that some more. <laughs> I love to see people getting more and more into running. Yeah. So how long have you been running? Oh, uh, I was, I first started running, uh, way before anybody else was running. You know, this was back before the first gym fix book. And I just decided to go running one day, you know, I must've been 12 or 13 or, you know, something like that. And, uh, of course the first run was pretty much a disaster. I had to walk after only a mile. Uh, you know, I kept at it. And so basically all through high school, I would just go and run to, to various girls' houses. <laughs> <laughs> you get motivation where you can. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, eventually got onto the track team. I don't know if I was on the track team one year or two. Um, but it seems silly to like running and not be on the track team. Um, and... Uh, so I did that competitively and I thought I was hot stuff. You know, they, they introduced the two mile run and, you know, I, I, I clobbered everybody. And so then I went to college and, and, uh, you know, thought I was going to be hot stuff. Like, but no, no, I was, I was 
also, definitely an also ran. Yeah. I mean, everybody showed me up. Opponents, teammates. <laughs> you know, I was getting lapped once or twice in the in the two mile, and it was just just terrible. Coach hated me. You know? <laughs> I was such an underperformer. In fact, you know, I even ran slower in college than I did in high school. Wow. Um, I tend to think it's got to be coaching, you know. I, don't, I mean, there's just no way you can get worse. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I didn't even come close to doing what I did in uh, high school. I don't know. I worked really hard in the, tr- in, you know, in, in, in workouts. But uh, because I was a terrible distance runner, which back then meant 800 meters, <laughs> you know, 1,600 and, uh, and two mile, uh, I switched to things like uh, – Intermediate hurdles, high jump, triple jump. Yeah, I got really good at the triple jump. And uh, so that's, and be, so it wasn't running that they contributed to my team much. It was mainly, uh, you know, field events. And after uh, college, but that was an important reason why I'm a good runner today, I think, is because I knew I was terrible, but I knew I enjoyed running. So I kept running my whole life just for fun. Never occurred to me to enter a race. I mean, why should I enter a race? I'm terrible at it, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so it wasn't until, uh, you know, some advanced age that uh, I ran into a bad crowd and they talked me into racing again. And, you know, it was really a lot of fun. It was funny. I really didn't even, wasn't even aware that there were races, you know, everywhere. I mean, I knew there was a marathon here and there. But the fact that there were 5Ks every weekend and 10Ks and half marathons all over the place, it was totally under my radar. So, uh, yeah, I got a quick introduction to that when all these guys were running all those races and had me run with them. So uh, so basically I've been – and the reason why I say why that's why I'm good now is that I didn't burn myself out trying to uh, – and that's an – in addition to trying to encourage people to run more and more, I actually try and discourage younger runners from running more and more because, I mean, look, you're run, run you've got, you know, a job and family, you know, house and, and, uh, and wife and kids. And, and, and even if you did go out and try and race, you're racing against people who are, you know, Olympic hopefuls and so on. <laughs> you're not going to be, that competitive uh, so yeah so my advice for most people in, in, through adulthood is just run for fun because you know it's possible to have a lot of fun but if you just grind yourself out and do 100 mile weeks and and uh, kill yourself uh, going really fast races uh, I don't think you have a, a prayer of, of being like I am at yeah. 70. Yeah. So when was that first 5K or that first marathon? How old were you when you started doing those? I was 56 when I did my first race. Okay. It was a uh, seven-mile trail race. Boy, was it, it was a blast. You know, yeah. I, I, and I, I went there with my daughter and you know, a couple hundred yards on the road, and then then we're scrambling over branches and rocks and up through uh, up through the woods. It was, you know, that was. I had never run like that before, and so that that was so much fun. So I think my takeaway from my first trail races was that wow, this is fun. I'm I'm gonna try and run further every every year. I'm gonna try and run further. I didn't formulate that as a you know something I 
I think I was subconscious that every year I would try and run further. And then my first road race was a few weeks later. It was a half marathon. And, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, well, I, I qualified to bypass the lottery at New York City at, in that race. They, they had a half marathon qualifier that was a lot easier than their marathon qualifier. So all my buddies were running New York. So I got thrown into doing marathon my first year because you know, I qualified for it. And they said, come on. So I did. And at New York, I qualified for Boston. So I had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so in, like I was always going to go further and more often on trails. Yeah. I vowed to go faster and more often on roads. Yeah. And, and uh, that's the way to get better and better is each year just Try and do a little more than you did the year before. Yeah. Uh, a little. Uh, and uh, it doesn't take long before, you know, you're doing things that you would have thought impossible. Uh, both time, frequency, distance. Uh, I'm doing things now that, you know, we're just, I mean, not, not only didn't I think they were impossible, I never even thought about doing them, you know, because yeah. they were so impossible. But, you know, eventually uh, you just get a little, It'll do a little more each year. Uh, it's amazing what happens. Yeah, that's so, fan- that's fantastic. Just look in the mirror and say, "You're going down, buddy." <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, a- yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm setting records and things, but, uh, you know, to be realistic, when I'm giving people this advice, is you don't have to, you don't have to beat everybody else. You only have to beat you to have a whole lot of fun uh, competing and running. Yeah. Yeah, what was your time that first year for that marathon? Do you remember where you were? Oh, well, sure. You never forget your first time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had to beat 345 to qualify for Boston, and I ran 343. Okay. And that was back when if you qualified, you qualified. You didn't have to worry about (laughs) qualifying by enough. So, yeah, 343 was my start of, uh, of many PRs. For a while there, every time I ran a marathon, it was uh, was a was a PR. I, I ran another PR uh, uh, two months later at Disney, mm-hmm. and then four months after that at uh, at Boston. And uh, yeah, I just kept you know, advancing slowly, some more than others. That that's great. So like that that just run mindset that you have right now. Um, were you doing any strength training, any stretching, even in the beginning, or is it just pretty much you just always went out and just ran? Uh, I'm just uh, kind of lazy that way, I guess. <laughs> I I probably thought I should, but <laughs> no, I, I I would just run. At some point, I discovered that if I did stretch, I was more likely to get injured than mm-hmm. if I didn't. So. That's why I gave up stretching, except as a uh, as a recovery. You know, if some injury re- you know required a certain uh, kind of stretching, well, then I'd do it. For instance, like Achilles and plantar mm-hmm. fasciitis. You know, you got to you know stretch your calf out. But uh, I don't think I've ever gotten injured that way because I didn't stretch. Okay. Uh, you know, it's more like yeah, I hit that stone and went down. And that's why I'm injured. Or, yeah. Just that and the other. But, uh, okay. Uh, so the then as far as like right now, how much are you running a week? Right now? Yeah. Yeah, zero. Okay. Uh, I haven't been able to run 
Well, ever since May, I, I, May I had to give up running. Okay. That lasted three or four months. And then all of a sudden that injury went away. It was some combination of plantar fasciitis or a heel bruise or, or something. So I was able to train up. I had a week and a half to train for the Boston Virtual Marathon. And, uh, and I did that. Uh, really amazed I managed to, to, uh, run 320 something. Um, and uh, next two weeks I, I was training hard and then I went out one day and I got about one mile and, and, uh, boy, did I get a pain in my, uh, my right foot somewhere along the metatarsals that lead to the little toe. Okay. And, uh, basically I haven't run since. Okay. It's been about eight weeks now. Wow. So how has that changed as far as just, I know you're so used to running all the time. What were you in? I saw hundreds of miles a week, correct? At kind of the peak. Oh, uh, well, only, I only run anywhere close to a hundred miles in a week if I'm running a race. Okay. Uh, that's that long. Uh, no, my, my typical week is like 45 miles. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, so now, are you feeling, are you able to do anything else as far as training, as far as exercise? Well, as soon as I saw that this injury was going to drag on, that I suffered in April or May, I, I bought a uh, an elliptical called a Zero Runner and uh, have it installed upstairs and I work out an hour on it almost every day. And is that bothering you? How's your foot with that? Oh, it's fine. You know, okay. No impact doesn't bother. Either of these two injuries that I've been suffering since May, it's, I've been able to keep doing the, uh, the Zero Runner. Okay. So what's your game plan if you have one of when you'll try to return to doing some running? Well, I have an MRI uh, Monday. Okay. I had an x-ray and they didn't see anything. Uh, if it's a stress fracture, it's certainly just a matter of waiting until uh, it's okay. It's hard to believe it isn't, but uh, I just don't know. Uh, after four weeks, I was down to zero pain and I, I let that go on for a week. Then I went out and ran a mile, felt nothing, took a day off, went out and tried to run two miles, and at a mile and a half, it was just like the first day. And, uh, I don't know if I refractured it or what, but yeah. I'm still I'm back down to some days no pain, some days just barely. I don't oh. know. Okay. You doing any physical therapy, if you don't mind me asking? Well, um, I was so convinced it was a stress fracture, which yeah. meant you know rest. Yeah, what, what are you going to do? You yeah. rest. So, yeah. uh, but uh, maybe next week they'll have a different opinion. So, okay. We'll okay. So let's go back then prior to, I'm sorry to hear that. First of all, you know, hopefully it yeah. heals up pretty soon and get you back out there again. Luckily, if anything's going to happen, this is the year for it to happen. Not much is going on. No, uh, <laughs> I feel kind of guilty being happy when races are canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I couldn't run it anyway. Boy, am I glad that was canceled. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one needs to know anything other than this is a podcast, so uh, we'll try to keep it quiet. That you know, you're basically in recovery mode this year, which is a good thing, I think, for everybody to maybe take a step back. Um, but I think next year is going to be pretty interesting. I think mm -hmm. some people are going to be like shot out of a cannon. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. been well, here. it's funny. Uh, early on, whenever I'd have an injury, and you know, I thought, oh, I'm getting older. That means. Uh, I've lost this time. I'll never get back to where I was. But 
it turns out that every time I had an injury, I came back and got stronger. And I think that's because when you rest your injury, you're resting your entire body. And uh, so injuries can actually be something that help you out. Yeah. I'm not sure six months of this is going to help me out. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, whether I ever get back to where I was, you know, I don't know. Yeah. The thing is, you were you were doing because so how long have you were you running that much? If you think what fifty six to what age seventy, you got fourteen fourteen plus years of of you know kind of a base built up there. So hopefully, again, six months or mm -hmm. uh, you know a little bit longer is not going to be too big of a loss, and you'll be able to bounce back in again. Taking it slowly, kind of progressing back slowly, is probably the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, so when did you make the transition from ultra uh, from marathons to ultras? How was how did that happen? Well, I'd uh, after two or three years of you know doing a couple marathons a year, you know, uh, at one point doing a marathon had been on my life bucket list, and so I more than done that. So, oh, well, okay, let's do an ultra, and. Uh, I had to do this ultra just one week after a really hard half marathon. And I went out too fast and boy, did I suffer. You know, the last, last six miles was just, just so awful, but I finished and I was quite sure that was it, you know, <laughs> never again. And, uh, but it wasn't like I went out and signed up for another ultra the next week. You know, yeah. it wasn't that never again. It was really never again <laughs> until, uh, it was two years later, uh, I was with my my uh, crowd, you know, that bad crowd that I fell in with. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them says, who wants to run Comrades? Now, this is, I had never, most people have never heard of Comrades. Funny thing is, I heard of Comrades back when I was in grade school or something, because, you know, it was an old race even then. In the 50s, it had been going on for almost 50 years. And I had this, this image, you know, people running through these ridge lines and mountains, and and I said, and when he, as soon as he mentioned that, let's who wants to run comrades? It all came back to me, you know that. Oh yeah, what an awesome race! Sure, I'm going to do that. Of course, it turns out it's just a road race, you know, not not technical or or, or that mountainous at all. Uh, but uh, so to train for it, I went out and ran a 50K three weekends in a row. And uh, that was when I discovered that, hey, I'm not that tired at the end of a 50K. You know, yeah. Maybe I am good at this. And uh, so uh, having done uh, the 50Ks and the 50-miler, well, the next year, I think it was, you know, I signed up for a 100-miler. And uh, a, year, a couple of years after that, I did a 120-miler. And then in a, uh, my first 200 miler was, was a, uh, a 68 hour race. Yeah. That was a, uh, do you know a race for the ages? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I entered that and, uh, I had 68 hours to run as far as I could. And I managed to run 205 miles. And, uh, so I knew I could run 200 miles. <laughs> And these trail races gave you, uh, you know, over a hundred hours to do it. So I yeah. said, heck, if I can do it in 60, I can do it in a hundred. So, uh, so that was, that was my progression kept getting longer and longer. And so next year I'm hoping to, you know, extend that. I'm doing a 
signed up for a 250 miler in March and a 330 miler in July, which is probably canceled. Yeah. Um, so uh, no reason to think I can't. The thing reason I think I can do a 330 miler is at the end of my 200 milers, it was always the case that yeah I could keep running, but not without sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I looked at the time that they allowed us for 300 miles, and it sounded like, yeah, I'd have enough sleep, and I, mm -hmm. I could keep going, so why not? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And uh, the longer they are, the more fun they are, it seems. So. <laughs> well, your your paces, you're not out there like for the marathons. I'm sure you're out there going as hard as you possibly can. Those ultra events are just so different. You're just oh, yeah. Of... I mean, well, of course, some people you know, knock themselves out. Yeah. Uh, that's never my goal. My goal <laughs> is to have as much fun as I can. And which gives you more fun? Yeah. You're using up the whole hundred hours or finishing in 80 hours. You know, I mean, I get 20 more hours fun than, than, than as if I beat myself up. So, uh, yeah, if I'm a little ahead of schedule, I'll just pull into an aid station and relax and have a lot of fun dabbing with everybody. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, trail races are for fun and road races are for competition. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I'm sure there's going to be some people that would beg to differ that running for 100 hours is fun. But, you know, I think it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, that's the kind of thing where yeah, every time you have to sit there and wonder what the heck you're doing out there. But yeah, uh, that that's the most important rule that you have to learn. The most important lesson to be learned in something like 100 miles or maybe 50 or who knows, is that if you just keep going. <laughs> the finish line will show up. And uh, after about 60 or 70 miles into 100, sometimes you just can't imagine that the end will arrive. It's just, you just can't believe that you can suffer. You know, remember after, after 60 miles, you've got 40 miles to go. That's, <laughs> that's another, you know, 10, 10 hours. Yeah. You've read 60 miles. And, uh, no, but you know, you just keep going, and eventually the finish line is there. And once you've learned that, you can you can always get it out because you know it it, it will be over. But that first time, yeah. it's really hard to convince yourself that, uh, that the suffering will end. Yeah. So, like as far as like you know, sports psychology and you know, mindfulness and stuff like that. How does that? Do you use that a lot uh, to kind of get yourself through a lot of self talk? Uh, I, I do have a couple things I say to myself in a really long run. Um, uh, one is that when you start, start feeling really bad and you're tired and it's a struggle to go on, I tell myself that this is why I do it. I mean, if it were easy, why would you go out and run a hundred miles? No, I mean, it's, uh, the first 60 miles is, is what got you to this point. And it's now when you can begin the experience of, of doing a hundred miles. Now, this is why you do it to, to reach that point where you're at your limits and just keep on going. Uh, then sometimes if I get to a really boring part of a really long run, for instance, at the end of the Bigfoot 200, last 12 miles was on a flat road. Now, here you've been going through the most awesome up and down scenery anywhere anywhere to be found and then you're you're dumped out onto this road mm. and how do you keep going and i have a 
sort of a little ditty that I sing to myself that, that, you know, amazingly enough keeps me going. I just, I just sing, uh, I run, I run, I run is what I do. I run, I run, I run. And I just, you know, do that with a step and it just keeps me going. If I'm tempted to stop, then, then, uh, you know, I'm, then I'd be making a liar. Of myself, <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> so that, that keeps me going. That works. I love it. So then since you, you know, when you go to the ultra, like doing these 100, 200 uh, mile races, going back to doing, let's say, just a regular marathon, you know, 26.2, um, do you feel like this is easy, you know, because you're really not running that far? What do you tell yourself? Uh, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, I do get to the starting line of a marathon and think to myself, yeah, I'm almost done. <laughs> 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 and uh you know 5k well 5k I don't know, i'm gonna hate that no matter what but 10k or uh 15k half marathon uh i sit there and think i only have to suffer for an hour you know i mean heck i've suffered for 12 24 hours straight in some yeah. of these races you know all i have to do so yeah it kind of numbs your numbs your your sense of uh, pain a little bit to, to do an ultra for a long long time i think yeah, I think there's advantages to that, you know. Again, if you're going out there, you're right. You can suffer for, you know, just a couple hours as opposed to, you know, yeah. for a whole day. <laughs> so. so I tell myself it's only when I'm telling myself it's only only another hour or something or only an hour to start with, I'm reminded of when I'm out there in a, going from one each station to another and this is how your mind can work in an ultra. You sit there and you look at your watch or your time and say Oh, all right. It's three hours to the next aid station. Yeah, I'm almost there. <laughs> no, really, uh, you know, time and distance and pace—they just take on a whole new meaning when yeah. you're running all day. Yeah, I agree. So, when going to trail running, I know there's a lot of people that are afraid to go to trail running. One, because it's more technical. Um, how do you think that helped your running overall? Do you think it did? Um, well, I, I can guarantee you that I didn't think so. And my coach didn't think so. I, yeah. you know, I hired my coach and, <clears throat> and immediately found out that while he, he thought I hired him to run marathons, I would sign up for these big ultras. And of course he would have to work those into my schedule. And I'm sure he'd beat his head against the wall every time I signed up for one. But, uh, you know, eventually I became really, really good and, we decided that it wasn't despite this, it was because of it. Yeah. I mean, there isn't, there isn't uh, anybody who is approaching world records on the road that does ultras. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, I don't know, it must be a good thing. And so I divide my year into seasons. I'll three or four months where I'll do nothing but ultras and three or four months where I've just trained for marathons and they feed off, feed off each other. Yeah, I think that change of pace, I think, again, it's it's technical, you got a lot more hills, you know, more than you're going to find for mm -hmm. a lot of the marathons. So I definitely, there's a benefit. I know I became a better runner when I started doing trails. Um, it just, it's also mm -hmm. nice strength training too, basically. Well, I can, I, what I, the way I think about it is base training. I mean, you're building up so much, you know, strength in your legs, but it isn't speed. And that's what the, uh, but 
uh, you know, a lot of marathon courses are like 16 weeks, you know, and they have this set schedule, you know, but mine is eight weeks or six weeks because I don't have to build up distance. I only have to get the speed back. And this, this huge base and strength, uh, is something you can leverage to go faster. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, I, uh, that's my theory and I'm sticking to it. That's, that's good. I like it. So you mentioned a coach, uh, when did you transition to a coach and did you have any doubts before you started with a coach? Okay. This is, uh, you know, you know, that my motto seems to be just run. <laughs> well, I'd say coaching is the one, <laughs> the one <laughs> exception that proves the rule. If you just run and don't have a coach, you're not going to be a good runner. Yeah. Uh, Depends on your goal. If you want to have fun, yeah, just run. Uh, yeah. But uh, because a lot of people, a lot of people going into ultras, you know, they want to do their first 50K and they say, you know, what's a good training plan? Or 50 or 100, what's a good, just run, you know? I mean, you don't, you don't need a coach or a training plan. Just go out and do it, you know? Learn from that, you know? Find out what works for you. If you start listening to everybody else from the get-go, you'll never find out what works for you. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot better. But uh, I did I did just run coaching wise for uh, seven years, and my my uh, PRs were coming down uh, uh, until they weren't. Uh, you know, my PR at one point was three sixteen on a really fast course, and a year and a half later or so, I tried to beat it at Toronto. My goal back then was to try and win a big city marathon, uh, but not including Boston or New York or Chicago. I mean, those were, you know, way beyond my ability to win. Uh, I didn't think I'd ever have a chance to win there. But uh, I tried to win at Philadelphia, Miami, Toronto. Always came up short. And at Toronto, I went in hoping to, you know, win and run, beat that 316. Uh, I ran 329. You know, totally the wrong way. And I said, okay, that's it. I'm getting older. If I want to find out how good I can be, let me hire a coach. I mean, they're really expensive. Uh, and, but it's five months till Boston. So, uh, I really said to this, to my coach, I said, okay, I'm giving you five months <laughs> to get me on the podium at Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he thought, who the hell is this? <laughs> you know, he, you know, he thinks he can get the get on the podium at Boston when that's the best he can do. Uh, so, but uh, boy, training went so well in those five months. I, I just I had so many breakthroughs where I knew my fitness had advanced to a whole new level. And at first, I was hoping just to run 312, which historically would have given me maybe a one in ten chance of getting on the podium. Yeah. But uh, we decided to shoot for 307. Okay. Uh, because training had gone so well, and um, but uh, let's see, uh, but it was really hot, and uh, and so we were both thrilled when I ran three oh nine. Okay. That was a PR by seven minutes, and that was from that was a twenty minute improvement over where I thought I was at the top of my game just five months earlier. So. That's the value of a coach. You can do things you just 
just uh, just unbelievable how much more is inside you that a coach can draw out. What did he change up? Well, a coach has two values. One, you know, he knows the right workouts. And in my case, I thought I was old and that I should run when I was sore. You know, I'd go out and run a, run a hard workout and I'd wait until the soreness went away and I'm old. I got to rest up. Uh, <laughs> he certainly wasn't having any of that. I was running six <laughs> days a week. A lot of them were hard workouts. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I was so sore I could barely make it down the stairs in the morning. <laughs> And uh, then I'd look at my workout schedule and I'd stare in amazement. (laughs) He wants me to do what? But running on sore muscles is how you make them stronger. You don't wait until you're you're totally rested. Uh, So uh, he knew the right mix of of fast workouts, recovery runs, long workouts, you know, aerobic uh, workouts, uh, tempo runs and all. I mean... He'd mix it up, make it different every week. Okay. So all those things were things that I wasn't doing. Basically, I was a great long, slow mile advocate. Okay. With an occasional track workout. Okay. So so that worked better. But I don't know. Of equal importance is the fact that if I go out and try and work hard, I just can't work myself to exhaustion just to please myself. It's just there isn't any way. I, I, or I can't even imagine dreaming up a workout. Uh, but when you have a coach, uh, uh, you know, at least for me, I'd rather die than have to report back to him that I couldn't do his workout. <laughs> so, you know, accomplishing the workout was, was just of total importance to me because he told me to do it and I had to do it. And there's no frigging way in the world I would. <laughs> ever be able to do that except that the coach told me to yeah there's no way not not even close yeah even knowing that now what i know i still couldn't make myself work as hard as uh as he makes me work yeah the only way i can do it is to have him assign it and uh, for me to go go out and do it yeah plus you're paying him so you want to get your money's worth yeah (laughs) after that five months never occurred to me to even I, I never even look at the bills, you know, they yeah. just get automatically, I, you know, whatever he's, he's changed my life. Yeah. Now, what could he possibly charge that uh, would be too much? That's incredible. So were you doing um, any split running days in there, like running morning and evening? Uh, I think I've only done a, a two for uh, once or twice. Okay. Uh, okay. Usually just run in the morning. Okay. That's what I wondered. Um, so, did you have him when you went to do Jacksonville? Was he your coach? Yeah, for that too. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, he'd been my coach for about uh, five years at that point. Okay, so going into what December twenty, December fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, right, is the day mm-hmm. you did. So going in your mindset, your goal was to try to to break the record, correct? Uh, yeah, I wasn't a hundred percent sure um, because, well. That would be a new, a new PR, of course, yeah. but yeah. only by a minute. Okay. Uh, I only needed to improve uh, less than a minute uh, over my uh, performance at Toronto. But originally, Jacksonville was going to be my A race. Uh, but then Toronto invited me to, you know, to go there to start with the elites and and all. I well, I couldn't pass that up. And my coach and I knew that it was just a little 
too short a time to train. And we knew going in, I would probably come up just short. And that's exactly what happened. Um, but I'd already signed up for all kinds of other stuff after uh, Toronto because, uh, so, uh, are you familiar with how I, uh, trained my last two weeks for Jacksonville? No, I, I did not. Okay. Well, what's the conventional wisdom? You do your long run 20 miles, three weeks out, right? Yep. Yep. And then you start tapering down. Don't do any hard racing. Okay. Two weeks out. This is two weeks before a world record attempt. Yeah. I ran a 50K on Saturday <laughs> and a hard marathon on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, so my long run consisted of running, you know, two races. Yeah. One an ultra and one a hard marathon. And then I ran a hard 5K the next week. Okay. Um, so, yeah, how could I be 100% confident? But uh, I love blowing away conventional wisdom and this, and the old conventional wisdom that, uh, you know, you can't run that much before a marathon and, uh, you know, you need a long taper and you can't race too much. You know, that was my 40th race that that year. Wow. I mean, I raced every weekend. It was just, yeah. uh, every race made me stronger. Yeah. So there's a lot of conventional wisdom that's just out to lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Can almost never race too much. Yeah. So going through that, did you? Because um, I know you were at, from reading through the report. Um, I saw something that you were ahead of schedule a little bit, and then kind of what struggled towards the end. Um, how... Well, uh, I was usually by about mile twenty twenty one. You know, I can tell whether or not I'm going to make it if I feel signs of faith. I've no. I've always known by mile 20 or 21, how I was going to finish. Okay, so at Jacksonville, I was about 50 seconds ahead of, ahead of time. And uh, with about three miles to go, I started feeling a cramp in my right calf. And, you know, it'd be like a twinge every 30 seconds or so. And I kind of developed a little stutter step that I could use to make it go away. You know, so, But I was worried. And with about a mile to go, uh, I started slowing down because I knew I had 50 seconds to play with. So I slowed my pace up about 20 seconds a mile. And uh, well, I, don't know, I don't know exactly the, how much I slowed down. But, uh, you know, but the cramp kept coming more and more frequently. And then I made sort of like the next to last turn. I was turned into this little field that approached the track. And so I could see the track. You know, I'm only only a quarter mile from the finish. And uh, I got a full-on cramp. It just, <sighs> just totally seized up. And I went down, you know, and I just, there was no way I could even walk in from there. And uh, so, of course, I was I desperately, you know how you do, you, yeah. you try and move your foot one way or the other yeah. and massage it like, crazy i spent about 20 seconds doing that and finally it eased up and so i kind of picked up to a reasonable pace in again uh but i you know if it hadn't been for that i would have really blistered the last quarter mile i i, I would have finished uh, pretty close to under uh whatever the next minute was uh to i would have finished under 254 for sure uh, but i didn't want to you know, I wanted to try and minimize the odds of getting another cramp and 
doing a you know doing a nosedive on the track. So uh, yeah, I went away and I went in and I I finished about 20 25 seconds uh, ahead of the record. That's incredible. You know, it, it it's so hard when something like that that happens to to kind of fight through that, especially when you're that close. That, that's pretty incredible. Oh, uh, just, oh, please, not now. <laughs> not, not this, don't let me lose this way, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I know. Especially when you can see the finish line. I've, you know, like you said, knowing mile 20 or 21, usually I know by mile 18 um, whether it's going to be a good afternoon or not. I've gotten to too many races or too many marathons. I get to 18, and I'm, like, feeling great, and then all of a sudden, like, Oh boy, this is going to be a long, long hour and a yeah. half to get the last in. <laughs> I guess a mile twenty-two or so. If I'm going to get those pre, those, those uh, premonitions that not going to be good, I'll have had them by then. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, and again, it's just four more miles. Yeah. Yeah. Comparatively, <laughs> so, it it can be done. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, you know, I didn't tell anybody I was going to go for the record there. Uh, okay. You know, my coach was hoping, you know, I was, I wasn't sure, but you know, I'd come up short at Toronto and, uh, you know, that was sort of news. Dykes fails at Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to tell everybody I was going to try at Jacksonville and then everybody come, oh, Dykes, yeah. two-time loser. You know? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, a lot of people said, are you going to go for the record at Jacksonville? And I said, hey, I just ran a 50K in a marathon two weeks ago. What do you think? You yeah. know, <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't, but I certainly gave everybody the the impression that I had no intention whatsoever. And, and, uh, and really I went down there and I thought, okay, if I set the record, I'll, you know, I'll post about it on Facebook and, you know, a few people congratulate me. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, I was just totally amazed at, at the interest that people took in, the, in, in that record. Um, uh, it just really, it hadn't occurred to me that, anybody would notice unless I posted it on Facebook. Trust me, people noticed. And that's why it's a, just an incredible feat, you know, to be able to do that. Be First of all, to be sub three hours um, for any age. I think it's, you know, other than the elites, we all struggle anyways. And that's a just, uh, that's fantastic. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it just goes to show. And, and in fact, of course, when it wasn't, uh, uh, when it became clear that it wouldn't be ratified as a world record, the the whole point of beating that record wasn't to be the record holder. It was to satisfy a training goal. You know, uh, that was what my goal was in training to do that. And well, I did it. So I uh, the uh, failure to get the world record really didn't bother me at all. Um, yeah. Uh, besides, who wants to be a flash in the pan? You know, <laughs> you know I, if I want to be uh, mentioned in the same paragraph or, or even a book as Ed Whitlock, I've got to be able to do it when he was 73 or when I'm 73. He did it when he was 73. It would still have an asterisk on it, even even if I held the age group record, because I was 70 and he was 73. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if I want to be a legitimate contender, I've got to do it again. And yeah. Well, if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. Okay. So is that a at this point? So you've you've got the I guess unofficial uh, official uh, record. Is that a target or is that a, a goal of yours or just to again obviously just a PR each you know to continue to PR? What's more important to oh. you, holding a record or PRing? That's a good question. <laughs> um, 
of course, <laughs> that, of course, it's, the question doesn't make any sense because if I PR, then yeah. it's a world record. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, I can't. I could set a world record and not get a PR. Yeah, that's true. So I guess. <laughs> let's see. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to dissociate them. Okay. But uh, the next attempt will pro probably be uh, London. Okay. If they have a London. Because um, uh, uh, everybody's postponing their big marathons into October, so it's kind of be a strange, strange time. Uh, but I'll just have to let, let the chips fall where they may and all the others and, and go all out at London. And then... Uh, of course, if the weather's terrible or for some other reason, Toronto is two weeks later, and I could, I could obviously pull my punches at London, and then go to Toronto, or maybe Chicago will be in that time frame. I don't know. Boston, well, can't set a record at Boston, so that wouldn't work. Um, but there is one other opportunity, but it's an opportunity to break the world record unofficially two times. I mean, yeah. if I can do it once unofficially, <laughs> why not twice? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so next April, I entered in one of those Revel marathons. Okay. The Revel Mount Charleston. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a certified course, but it's not record eligible because it's got a 5,000 foot drop. You know? Ah, okay. So, uh, so it's wickedly fast. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I should be able to, if I'm in good shape, I should be able to break the world record there, but it won't count. So, hey, but it's still everything but, counts. Yeah, but I would do it just for the just 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 for the, the fun of it to have break the world record unofficially twice. Yeah, that, I think that's a good feat to have. Yeah, it's a good thing to hang your hat on. Uh, <laughs> um. So, what would you say are a couple of secrets to your success? Oh well, uh, number one is. Uh, is coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just can't stress enough that that uh, Gene Dykes without a coach is Joe Ordinary out there. I'd still be just a good runner, but yeah. nothing that uh, uh, nothing would make headlines. And with the coach, you know, changed my life. So yeah, coaching is uh, the main the main the main key. Uh, the second, I think, is is shattering those uh, misconceptions. You can't run ultras and be a good road runner, and you can't race too often and be a good a uh, good racer. Uh, I'm really convinced the more I race, the better I get. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I don't you know. Of course, I don't know. I race so much, I don't know how I do if I took time off. I probably took sufficient time off in before most marathons, but I don't know what could I do at Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem to make any difference. If you're strong, you you can recover in a week. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, you know. I was looking at your race reports or all the places you've gone. You've traveled all over the place. Well, uh, one of the reasons you said well, how did you get into ultras? Well, one of the reasons I kept going longer and longer is because what a great way to combine scenic travel with what you love to do uh, running. Um, uh, you know, if you want to sign up for a, you know, a hundred miler, why not make it, a, you know, so do a stage race. Well, do it in the Alps or do it in Scotland. 
you want to do a 200 miler, you know, do them out west or do them in Australia. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I think my, I first started doing those with stage races with my daughter. And, uh, you know, boy, we have, we have fun. And, you know, it combined travel and running. Oh, if you want to get into running ultras, you know, if you've got the time, uh, run a stage race. That is the one way to convince yourself that you can, if a hundred miles in a week is, you know, beyond your ken, do a stage race and you'll find out that you can do 130 miles in a week easy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and have a blast doing it. So, uh, yeah, running and travel. What, what, what could be a better combination than that? Yeah, that's why it's it's funny. I do triathlons, so you know, we, obviously, everybody picks that destination race. So I've been working in, you know, traveling around, doing some of those events in different places, and it, it is cool. You know, my mm-hmm. wife, you know, jokes. She goes, "Can't we just go on vacation, just a vacation?" And so, uh, you know, I said, we'll go here, but I want to do this race. So I think that's, that, you're right. That's the way we do it to get around. <laughs> well, uh, I talked my wife into doing a destination race once. Uh, well, one time I said, let's go to Paris for the weekend. Yeah, yeah sure. You know? So I did the Paris marathon. But um, at some point I said, uh, I've always wanted to go to Iceland and they have the Reykjavik marathon. So how about? if we go and tour Iceland for a week and then do the marathon. Uh, she said, okay. Yeah. Turned out to be the best vacation we ever had. It was just, Iceland is just an amazing place to do a tour. And uh, But what made it special was going there in order to run that marathon. So, uh, uh, yeah. See how, see how uh, far you can stretch that. Uh, <laughs> See what see what you can sneak by your wife. When yeah, that's interesting it. enough. Yeah, that's it. You know, you, you basically say the destination first, and then the race always comes in a little bit later on. Oh, by the way, there's a race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way, I'm going to be gone this day doing this event. But yeah, we're going to go. I'll talk about all the other great things we're going to be doing and travel. <laughs> yeah. Um, Would you like to have a have a day for yourself to go shopping in Reykjavik? Yeah. yeah, that's it. You know, I think. If you look at the numbers of uh, like the age groups of like these races, um, you know, for triathlons, I think over 50 is definitely and I think ultra same thing. You know, you have to have time one to train to do any of this stuff and then to travel. It's not a cheap sport, any of these races and then also to travel around. Um, So I think it's fantastic. And plus people like you are pushing the boundaries where we're seeing 70s and mid 70s. Uh, people doing these races and that's incredible mm-hmm. um well that's uh another thing why i tell people to wait uh if you've got time and and money when you're retired uh uh and uh but what you have to dispel is the notion that oh it won't be any fun running when i'm old you know yeah <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just having such a total blast yeah it's more fun uh, you know I had to live my life over again you'd be i'd definitely be taking it easy running uh, yeah. early on yeah yeah that's great so that's good if you started at 56 there's definitely hope for me um so uh, that's why I, there's definitely room for i can room to improve um so recovery what's recovery like um for you after like say let's go back to where you did those three events 
what was it like after Jacksonville? How long did it take you to recover from? Oh, uh, well, that ended my last race of the year. I don't have to go check. Maybe I did have another race, but no, I, you know, I do marathons on successive days, uh, okay. weeks. I can recover after a week from anything. Now, how about nutrition? Are you on a special diet or do you take any yeah. extra? Yeah. But both before and after, it's seafood diet. Okay. Okay. And then um, how is sleep for you? Are you pretty consistent or? You can, you can nod about the seafood. You, yeah. you know that diet, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Seafood, need it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah, that's so uh, yeah, I figured that. That's why I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. People say, you know, if you have a special day, certainly you're vegan or or this or that or keto. No, nah. no. Yeah, yeah. See, just, I, I figured yeah. it was seafood and eat it, not the seafood as far as out of the ocean. Yeah. Although I do love, <laughs> do love seafood. Uh, everything in moderation is another, you know, good keyword to use there. I mean, fortunately, I like to eat healthy, but okay. you know, junk food is always in danger when I'm in the room. Now, do you have any um, issues with uh, digestion with, let's say, these ultra events as far as, you know, how are things during the event? Well, uh, one of the questions you think about asking was, do, do you have any misconceptions going about yourself going into ultras? And yeah. one I had was nausea is the cross I have to bear. And I read up on it and how to cure it and tried everything, you know, you know ginger chews and the right hydration and the right salt tablets and blah, 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 blah. Basically, it turns out that for most people, and they don't like to hear this, is that nausea comes because you're not fit enough for what you're trying to do. And uh, your body, you know, starts getting tired, which is a signal to stop. You keep going, right? You know, you, you start suffering, you keep going. Your body says, I'm going to shut you down. And nausea always does the trick. You know, you it's your body's way of saying stop. And, uh, but that said, still, yeah, sometimes it's, it's sort of a catch 22. Well, how do you get the stamina you need when nausea keeps shutting you down? And, uh, but I learned some tricks for that. I drink, uh, I get a lot of my calories from Coke. Okay. Um, I just, I fill up my water bottles with half Coke, half water and suck on that. Uh, all the way around. So there's a lot of calories and it helps clear your stomach. I also have a uh, pharmaceutical that I take. Uh, if anybody wants to get their doctor to prescribe it, it's uh, on Dastarone. Uh, the common name is Zofran. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's something that's prescribed for nausea for chemical uh, people who have had uh, chemotherapy. Mm hmm. But uh, yeah, great thing. It keeps nausea at bay and allows you to finish that race. And then pretty soon you don't need it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but what I learned is conventional wisdom was, was wrong about nausea. It's always, conventional wisdom was always, oh, if you, you know, you do this right or you do that right or this right. Heck no. It's just conditioning. You know, yeah. You got to be in good condition. So. Okay. Now, as far as like uh, we, you talked a little bit about during the race, you know, that mind body, uh, you know, what your uh, kind of that self-talk you tell yourself and that little ditty, anything else you do? Do you do any meditation outside of, you know, day to day or journaling or anything or goal setting? Oh, I don't know. The only thing I can think of along that way is I spend a lot of time looking for enter buttons. <laughs> <laughs> 
looking at various races. Okay. Saving websites of places I want to travel to. Okay. Um, every time a race was canceled this year, I think I went up and signed up for another ultra for next year. And uh, that's why I got so many big ultras next year. Because every time, every time I missed a race, you know, I just signed up for another race in the next year. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and that's another thing I tell runners is, you know, I ask them what's their next race. And if they say, I don't know, I say, you're missing half the fun of running, which is looking forward to races. I uh, plan out, you know, 60% of my calendar the following year, you know, the previous year. And I, uh, I get a, a whole blast out of looking forward to them. Uh, yeah, if you're not looking forward to races, you're missing out on a lot of the fun. Yeah, and I think that's been the challenge for everybody this year is as things got canceled is, again, staying focused. Because I think most of I think most of us are pretty goal oriented, um, especially when if you're doing a lot of events. And, you know, when you take that away, that end point is gone. And I think that's a that's a struggle. Like, you know, you've unfortunately you've been injured part of this year. So, again, you've uh, been able to just say, OK, I'm not going to do um, you're not going to worry about it right now. But how is how is that been? How has your struggle with COVID been? Oh, I don't know. It really just doesn't seem to have affected me much. Okay. I don't. Uh... Because I've been injured, it doesn't yeah. affect me much. It would have affected me hugely if uh, if I hadn't been sitting home anyway. Um, but uh, we don't go to restaurants and movies. But I don't know. I don't get to see my kids. I've been uh, don't get to go visit my kids and my single granddaughter. So uh, that's you know that's the worst thing, I suppose. Uh, doing a lot of great cooking, so I don't miss the restaurants. <laughs> I love to cook. Uh, when I retired, I took over the cooking duties. Okay. Yeah, I look forward to doing that. Uh, of course, which makes it hard to keep the weight down. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to oh. be able to start behind, you know, when you go back because it's going to make a difference. I I saw that, you know, you've been mm -hmm. pretty good um, with your weight because um, where do you like to be as far as like, like your race weight, I guess? Uh, my race weight's about 138, okay. 510. Um, okay. I'm usually you know, low 140s otherwise. Okay. Like, right, I was 146 just a week ago, and I was starting to really feel terrible. And so I went on a diet and uh, because I thought I'd want to try and reach 138 by my uh, next race, which is the Naples Half Marathon in Florida in late January. Okay. Yeah. I said, oh, man, that's a long time, but... You know, I've got, I've got a lot of weight to lose, but I lost four, five pounds in four days. So, uh, Good. That, but so now I'm down to within striking distance. Uh, I got to 142 and kind of lost my nerve. And try and keep it at 142. <laughs> if it sneaks up again, then I'll just uh, have to do what it takes to get down to closer to 140. Yeah. Do your uh, children do any of, any of this? Do they run or? And uh, I run races with both daughters. Uh, uh, my younger daughter and I were supposed to run four marathons together last year. Uh, we got one in Los Angeles, which was uh, which was exactly one week before the shit hit the fan. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're still planning on doing some of those next year. And uh, the other daughter, I was going to run a marathon and a 50K with her. So, okay. Yeah. Are they as fast as you are? That's always the highlight of every year. 
Are they as fast as you are? Um, my younger daughter's probably around 320. Okay. Not bad. And the older daughter she probably could get down there, but she likes biking a lot. Yeah. You, you, you'd you like her better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I ran, she's only run one marathon, and I ran it with her. Okay. And uh, I shouldn't have, but I promised her I would run it with her, and I did. Uh, I was injured. I had uh, hurt my Achilles about a week before, and it was killing me. Uh, but I, I tried and uh, found some sort of gate that got me through it, but it was the last time I ran for about four months. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, though, to be to do that with her. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So what are your um, what do you think you need to continue to do to do this for another 10, 15 years? Oh, well, I don't know. Probably be lucky, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you never know when your knees are going to start. It's not running doesn't hurt your knees, but just naturally there's arthritis there. Uh, but my knees, I think, are better than when I started running. So, uh, you know, if 90% of the people don't know it yet, but the knees are bad, or running is bad for the knees, and it is long since it yeah. is proved. And uh, now they're even going to say running is good for your knees. And I've, I've known that for a long time now, that uh, running has uh, made my knees feel better. But, uh, you know, arthritis is uh, kind of inevitable, and that could bring shut me down. Who knows? Um, I uh, I suppose I still think I can do anything. Um, at some point, I suppose I'll have to come to the realization that I can't do it all, but, uh, I'm hoping next year isn't it. I'm, I'm next year is real ambitious, you know, would be about by most ambitious uh, year. And, uh, no, I still don't see any reason why I can't. So I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I'm not not doing anything now to prolong it, except hoping that injuries like this allow me to reset a bit. Our time, it doesn't count against my total running. You know, there's this theory that you only, no matter when you start running, you've got 15 good years. And as you pointed out, I've been competitive for 14. So, you know, do I have one more good year? I don't know. Uh, Ed Whitlock ran a lot, real yeah. hard, real well for a lot more than <laughs> so It's not hard and fast. But, yeah. I think it, it, something to that effect must be true, though, because uh, who would you think, you know, um, so let's reel back to when I'm 20 or 30 years old, and somebody had said, okay, suppose you were going to break the world record in marathon, you know, when you're age 70. Who do you think you're stiffest competition would be well of course you'd look at the guys who are winning chicago and new york and boston where are them none of there isn't a single one of them is any good you can't tell me that they all just lost interest they're they're burned out you only have so many good years or where or they'd be here now uh uh joni is one of the you know samuelson Joni Benoit, she's she's amazing. You know, she's still at the top for uh, age graded group. Uh, uh, she's just uh, amazing. She's been able to keep it up that long. Uh, I tried hard when I was younger. I wasn't anywhere close to as good as they were. So yeah. uh, 
for her to be that good back then. See, I'm only that good now. I wasn't any good back then. <laughs> but uh, she, she's been good her whole life. That's amazing. I mean, just uh, truly amazing. Yeah. You know, I think there's something to that, because as I've been doing this podcast and talking to people, it's amazing that most of the people I've talked to started in their 50s. And they've, again, they, their stories are kind of like yours, Uh you know, did sports growing up, but, you know, kind of went away from it or really weren't as athletic. And now they're continuing to just make huge strides and, you know, they get better each year. And, you know, the, the mindset is, you know, we know that our bodies are aging each year, but again, if we're not, if I look at it, we're not top of our game, we're not maxed out, you know, there's so much room to grow and there's so much potential that, that I know I have and I think everybody has. So it, it's awesome to see people doing these things and staying active and kind of just pushing what those kind of preconceived notions that we have of what aging is all about. Um, it's pretty awesome to see. What do you think about this theory? Um, okay, so right now, uh, you know, I'm competitive in for age group, but at some point, I think, Somebody's going to come along who would have been an Olympic caliber runner, but didn't discover running. That person with that kind of talent hasn't burned himself out. And when he discovers running at age 50 or 60, he is just going to totally blow the records away. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, I didn't have that kind of talent. Yeah. I'm only doing it because I didn't burn out early but if you bring in somebody who has real talent as a runner and let him start running when he's older oh man he's, he's really going to be something to be old yeah it's pretty interesting to see you know i think we're gonna we're finding each year people are doing more and more you know i'm involved with the senior games and we're seeing these people in their 80s 90s last year in the senior game they had three people over 100 running a, a dash which is pretty incredible to me i think the one didn't start till they were in their 90s <laughs> like, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes i think maybe i should try a reset to, <laughs> and not run for six years and <laughs> then come back and take on the 80 year olds but no keep going I'm, don't <laughs> i don't know i'm trying to guess i mean i i, I I'm thinking my life expectancy is probably only about 90. That gives me seven <laughs> more years than my dad. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I can't save it too long. No, you keep doing what you're doing. Um, so just a couple more questions. Um, so do you have any special mantras or quotes or people that inspire you? Uh, I mean, something that somebody else is. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, kind of like. You know, if you ask whom I admire, I have two two answers for that. Okay. Um, one is because he's just like me. Uh, is Michael Wardian? Okay. He does all kinds of races. He runs ultras. He runs short races. He runs races every weekend. I, I love that guy. You know, he's out there doing it all. You know, he I'm, and he always looks like he's having a blast. Uh, Whereas a lot of other people look like, well, yeah, they're record holders and they're working hard. Well, they just don't look like they're having a blast, you know? We are. Yeah. Uh, the other people I admire are kind of like people at the other end of the spectrum speed-wise. I've gone out and run some stage races or 100 milers and where it's really hot or 
conditions are terrible and and I'll come in, come in at the end of a stage race, say, and four or five hours later, the back of the Packers are coming in. Mm -hmm. And those people are suffering just as much as you, except <laughs> they're doing it for five, five or six hours longer. They have no hope of winning anything, but they're out there because they love what they're doing. They love running. And so th those back of the Packers who aren't very fast, you know, they're the, the people I really, really admire that they're doing what they love. And, yeah. Uh, now, in 200s, I'm a back of the packer. Yeah. But it's kind of like kind of more by choice. <laughs> yeah. Not because I'm out there suffering the, the whole time. So. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I love um, these events because you see people all shape, sizes, ages, abilities, and the fact that they're all doing, I think the person who finishes last is just as important as the person who wins the race. And I'm mm -hmm. with you. I, I think the ones that finish last actually, um, it they struggle sometimes to get there. But again, their perseverance is just incredible. Um, and so, yeah, I love that just as well. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Your only reason can be because it's fun. Yeah. You enjoy it. So that leads me to my last question. I use the hashtag my miles are four. If you had to sum up in one or two words, why do you do the things that you're doing? Well, <laughs> I can't do any better than just run. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many aspects of just, it's just two simple words, but there's just run in that you don't need all the side things. You just run because, uh, you know, it, it's so much fun. And, uh, I don't know. People say, are you ever going to write a book? Well, I got yeah. the title. Yeah. <laughs> it's just run. And I have a lot of chapters. Uh, yeah. Title, chapter titles. You know, each is going to take a different aspect of, of why just run is a great philosophy. And, uh, oh, they say, well, when are you going to write it? Oh, never. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's fun to, fun to think about. I'm jotting down thoughts. And, you know, I have this website yeah. and I'm going to write a whole bunch of articles for it. And, Eventually, I might collect those into a book, but I don't know. I, I, I just also got to come over the, get over the thought that who would ever want to read anything I'd write? I don't know. So, trust me, they're out there. I would be the first one to buy it. So I think you know now you have some time right now as we wait for things to open back up. You know you have that time. Mm -hmm. And actually, what is your website if you don't mind that we can let people know how oh, to well, get a hold of you? UltraGeezer.com. Love it. It's uh, you know, it's kind of a uh, yeah, my daughter and I came up with that. We had a little brainstorming session and uh, trying to think of, you know, good things to use as a hashtag. And I finally came up with Ultra Geezer because it has that, uh, you know, that double meaning. Uh, ultra old and and an, and a geezer uh, runs ultras. So. <laughs> well. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, I don't know if you've ever seen, I have a, a pink shirt. Okay. That I wear to all my marathons, and my daughter made it for me, and it has you know hashtag ultra geezer, <laughs> and then underneath it uh, you know, marathon slash ultra number, whatever it is, yeah, and it, my age, you know. So uh, next, next, I have a hundred miler in December. I haven't completely given up on, but if I do, that'll be uh, number one hundred and twenty-nine. Ah, oh, incredible. Well, hey, Gene, uh, I hope you heal up. I hope uh, you get ready to um, 
get after it in 2021. I can't wait to see what you're able to do, but you mm-hmm. definitely heal up here and get back to normal again. Okay. And I hope you get out of the dark side of doing a triath- <laughs> triathlon. <laughs> well, get back to your, the real fun part of those three. Yeah, well, I did my first 50-miler uh, back in September to celebrate my uh, 50th birthday. So I did 52 miles. And it was interesting because I interviewed uh, Bob Becker, who actually holds a record at a race for the ages. He was 74, and he did 230 miles last year in 2019. Um, so I talked to him, and he basically did that event as a one-minute run, one-minute walk. So that's what I mm-hmm. ended up doing for my 52 miles and it was great. I came out of that felt awesome. And so it, I think the, you can only go up. That's the thing is just finding that next, that next race. And so I'm definitely going to be doing ultras and, you know, throwing my hat back into marathon. I'm not as fast as you, but um, at least I enjoy running. Well, if you don't have an all time PR in sight, you have kind of like a short term PR, like, uh, fastest since I turned 40 or something like that. You know? For marathon, yeah, my goal was um, I'm trying to get sub four. Uh, I did Marine Corps twice. I've done Tobacco Road here twice. Um, and I've gotten better each time, 426, 420 to 408 to 406. So I'm, I'm working my way closer um, to that sub four. So that's my my goal is to get sub four in a marathon. Mm-hmm. And then I... I only nine minute miles. Yeah. That's, I'm good for the first, uh, we joke is that, uh, the last one I did with a friend, um, we were on target for 345 and we ran the whole thing together. And, you know, as things start to slip, I started doing the math in my head and it's amazing. Once I got behind mentally, you know, I probably could have gutted it out, but I just mentally, I, I struggled. And even with him yelling at me, I finally told him to stop talking to me. That was a joke. I said, you're not helping me at, at this point. Um, so it, it was it was, a, it was all a mental game. I know that. Um, so I hope that I'm better at this point now that I've done an Ironman and, and gotten better mentally. But it's a struggle. Well, you know, I mean, pooping out at the end of a marathon is, I don't know, more conditioning than that. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think uh, that would be one of my just run chapters. People think, yeah. oh, if I only have the right mantra, only if I do this, only no, just run. You need to be in better condition. Yeah, well, that's the answer. It's I definitely running. wasn't, and I knew that though. That's the problem is I knew I wasn't in as good of condition, at least as meant as I thought I was at that point. Well, for instance, people think, oh man, you you know you ran a new PR, or you set a world record, you must have just just taken yourself beyond your limits. You must. That's hogwash, you know. I mean, <laughs> Jacksonville was probably one of the easiest marathons I ever did because okay. uh, I just ran what I was trained to do. And when you're it, training is harder than the marathon because there you're trying to do more than you're capable of. And uh, whereas in a marathon, the whole idea is to get to the finish line just as you've used up all your strength. Yeah, if I had to go another mile, oh yeah, I you know I'd fall apart and it'd be terrible. But no, as long as you're doing what you're trained to do, it's you know, you know it's not mental. It's it's having conditioned yourself to do it. Uh, so 
Yeah, that's that's what I tell beginning runners. I think a lot of people quit after one day because they go out and, you know, we all know how we feel on our first day of running. You know, it's just terrible and you just can't keep going. And I think they think, wow, if it's this hard when I'm running this slow, <laughs> how bad is it going to be when I'm running fast? And the answer is the faster you go, the easier it is. Yeah, yeah. you get done faster. When, when, once you're, yeah, once you're able to run faster, you're way better. Nothing's worse than out of shape pain. I mean, yeah. And the more in shape you are, the, the less painful it is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, thanks a lot, Gene. I, mm-hmm. I had fun. I appreciate you taking the time with me. Okay, this is great. Uh, look forward to your uh, checking out my schedule one of these years. I bet I could do that race with it. Yes. Oh, that would be awesome. I, I can't wait till we can start opening things back up and, uh, and start doing things again. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to get some insight into how when weathering athlete approaches each day of training and racing to stay as injury free as possible. I believe his biggest strengths are made up of three factors. First, his mantra of just run provides a foundation and has taken him to many places. He details how he typically will race almost every weekend, both nationally and internationally. The year he broke the 70-74 to year-old marathon record, that was his 40th race that year. I promise his taper the two weeks prior was not something you will find on most racing plans. Honestly, you won't find it on any racing plans. The second strength is his have fun attitude, which makes any race, no matter what distance, enjoyable to him. His quote of, what's the fun of finishing a race in 80 hours when they give you 100 hours? That would be giving up on 20 hours of fun. I'm not sure many would look at it that way, but it works for him. The third strength, which he views as the most important, is his use of a coach. His ability to follow a training plan exactly as his coach has prescribed has allowed him to build the necessary physical and mental stamina that is required to chase down PRs and the world records, which, as far as marathon go, are one and the same. He will admit he has not been able to run much over the past five to six months due to dealing with an injury. However, as with any injuries he has sustained in the past, he is willing to take advantage of the break and allow his body to come back stronger. Plus, if there's a year to give the body a break, this is the year. I look forward to keeping a close eye on what this ultra geezer is able to accomplish. Thank you for taking time in your busy schedule. If you find today's or any other episode inspiring, I ask you to consider to join our patron program. Details can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends, give me a rating on iTunes, leave me a comment, or drop me a line if you feel what you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, my miles are for, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. As always, my miles are for the journey. Peep Rusick.